I didn't I didn't look too far into this opinion here, Dylan. Let me off. <laughs> <laughs> we just make wild statements and then never have to back anything <laughs> up on this show. And then we try and cover them up afterward. I want to mash. I'll take your chains off later, Frankie. Master, please let me mash. Or next Igor, right after Janusz. What's up, decomposers? Uh, welcome to Mokalato Pods. Halloween spectacular. Insert evil laugh here. Uh, I am your co-host, Justin Hensley, a.k.a. Gushing Head Woundsley. <laughs> and I'm Dylan Thrill Killin' Hensley, <laughs> your other co-host. And joining us today is our good friend, Gory Corey. <laughs> Hi, guys. We weren't sure if you were going to use the name. That we it's it's fine. I, I just won't say it myself. <laughs> you have standards. <laughs> yeah. And this is the show where using... Dude, I even forgot our catchphrase. It's the game where no one wins. What do the numbers always come up? 666. This is the show where using a number generator and the Rate Your Music punk charts, we choose one album and one EP at random to discuss. But this month, it's got a little bit of an asterisk beside it. And uh, for the month of October, we will only be talking about horror punk goth rock, death rock, and psychobilly. Because why not? Day glow orange color food uh, food coloring Halloween special wrapper, but there's nothing different about the candy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes just some nice spooky packaging is all you need. <laughs> Do you guys have a favorite Halloween candy? Uh, mine is not only for Halloween. Yeah, it's mostly just normal candy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I like Reese's Cups are my favorite. Yeah, good choice. I mean, Halloween-specific candy? I don't know. I feel like they're not very good. I don't know. Justin loves candy corn, but... I do. I am an unapologetic candy corn fiend. I think I remember your Twitter name last October was Candy Cornsley. Was it? I think so. Because now it's like, how much candy corn can Justin eat? (laughs) (laughs) So that's two years in a row that I've gotten candy corn related. (laughs) I mean, other than that, I... I'm. I'll eat the candy that nobody likes, oh, like those... like the milk duds and like oh, just no. the stuff that's terrible for your teeth. And... <laughs> yeah. It's always like what's left in the bowl <laughs> after all, all the stuff. good candy has been picked out, and I'm just like, I'll eat it. Fine. Bottom bottom feeder Hensley. <laughs> all those uh, black and like, orange peanut like butter chews. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> or the orange, the black and orange Twizzlers. What's so Halloween? You didn't you buy it? Didn't you buy us a bag of black and orange Twizzlers last yeah. year? Yeah, they were no. terrible. <laughs> they weren't black and orange, were they? I they were the so. pull aparts. Yeah, I think they were black and orange though. Oh, or they may have been, but they yeah. were the pull aparts. They were real bad. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks well, for the candy. <laughs> I was gonna say, well, I guess I won't <laughs> buy you any more candy then. <laughs> I had to return these ten pounds of black and orange pulled apart Twizzlers. Uh, I got, a, I got a whole pallet on the way. I got to return. <laughs> um, we're way off track, and we've got lots to talk about today. So, oh, so much. Normally, we take a look at the charts for the years that we get, but since we're only doing specific genres, we're not quite tied down to the years. So we'll just dump in. We'll dump in. <laughs> we'll jump into the albums. Um, it's more. It's more like a dump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the arbitrary number on this episode is number 470. The way we did this is we threw horror punk, goth rock, death rock, and psychobilly all onto the same chart on Rate Your Music and then chose at random. So we got number 470, and it is The Misfits and their album Project 1950. basics real quick the misfits are a horror punk band formed in 1977 in lodi new jersey is that how we're supposed to say that or is it lodi uh, i don't know i'm assuming because it's actually an i and not a y i don't know we're gonna need to get jerry only on the pod to help us out <laughs> yeah i hope i hope he listens <laughs> uh this was released september 25th 2003 on misfits records and ryko disc so I'm assuming Ryko Disc handled distribution while they formed their own record label to release the album. Misfits Records is, of course, owned by Jerry only, and they've mainly released Misfits Records, but they've also put stuff out by Balzac and Osaka Popstar. So, Which is another Jerry only band, right? Is he an Osaka Popstar? I think so. I think that'll come up a little bit today in some of the notes that I had. Cool. Uh, I know Balzac is that band, Japanese band that they did a split with, too, in the 90s, so... Yeah. So yeah, it's just them and their friends, I guess. This is their sixth sixth studio album. Uh, the Misfits are always hard to talk about album wise because mm, they have a ton of compilations and some like archival albums. Like one of their highest rated albums is Static Age, and uh, it's it was like a shelved album and didn't get an actual release until the '90s. But as far as like full studio albums, this is their sixth. 
the personnel on this record is Jerry Only on bass and vocals, Marky Ramone on drums, and Des Kadena on guitars. The album also features guest vocals by Ronnie Spector from the Ronettes, keys by Jimmy Destry from Blondie, and saxophone by Ed Mannion, who was a touring member of the Bruce Springsteen E Street Band. Weird. He's who? in Ed Mannion. He's in the horn section. So like, he's on like five or six live albums. He's yeah. not a he's not a studio musician, but he's uh he goes so on tour one, with. Him. He's one of the, yeah, he's one of the horn players. Then yeah, mm. in the uh, the handful of songs where they use a more than a saxophone. <laughs> yeah, he's one of them. Um, did, did Marky Ramone play on the actual album? Supposedly, that's what the notes, okay. that's what the credits show. So okay, cool. I couldn't find um, I couldn't find the credits anywhere, so I couldn't I couldn't figure out yeah who actually played on it. Um, yeah, Marky Ramone, of course, was in the Ramones. He was uh, Tommy Ramone's replacement, and he played on eight Ramones records. So he he was in the band for a really long time. He's the one who left in the mid '80s and came back. He was replaced by um, Richie. I believe. And yeah, he came back for like the last couple albums. So he spent quite a long time in the Ramones. He's also a solo musician in his own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dez was in Black Flag during the Damaged Era. So this is like a super group of 70s and 80s, like punk and hardcore. It's it's a good lineup. Yeah. For an album. Yeah. And right. I mean, we can talk about how we feel about that afterward, but... Yeah. yeah, that's a good lineup for an album. This is Jerry Only's first album as the lead singer of the Misfits. He replaced Michael Graves from their previous album. And uh, the album features no other previous members of the Misfits. So Doyle's not in this band. Danzig, of course, has been long gone by this point. I can't remember who the drummer was originally, uh, but he's not on this record either. Um, it may have been Robbo or some, someone like that. But yeah, this is this is... Jerry and his band of misfits, I guess. Uh, <laughs> this record features, well, not features, consists entirely of 50s and 60s cover songs. So there's like stuff from The Drifters and Bobby Darin and Richie Valens and Paul Anka. You know, real cool punk rock stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, weirdly, this album was a success. It got a fairly positive critical reception. Uh, and premiered on the Heat Seekers chart at number two and number five on the top independent albums chart. So I don't know quite why, why, but it did really well. Maybe it's just the novelty of a Misfits record in 2003 after there hadn't been one in a while. But yeah, and plus it's covers. So, all right. It was also conveniently released right before October. So that was appropriate timing. What's not appropriate is the choices in songs. <laughs> but we can talk about that in a little bit. First, Corey, as the guest, what did you think of this record? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, it was hard to listen to. I think that's kind of my point with, with this being a pretty solid lineup. It's, it's just not very good. I didn't want to hear any of these songs. <laughs> I, I, uh, there's, there's none of these, so none of the original songs are songs that I'm a big fan of. Some of them I outright hate. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I hate the Monster Mash. That, uh, well. <laughs> what? Yeah. You should, uh, all right, you have to leave now. You can't be on the <laughs> Halloween Spectacular and hate the Monster Mash. I know. Like a for, this ep- opinion. 
for this episode, we're going to intro it with the Monster Mash sequel song. So <laughs> go for it. Uh, <laughs> and and so I really didn't want to hear a Misfits version of the Monster Mash. Well, it's a bad version of the Monster Mash too. It's a very yeah. bad version. Somehow, it's the worst cover on the album. <laughs> yeah, I w- for I would say for me, uh, it was a toss up between Monster Mash and Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> oh yeah. Two, yeah, two songs that I I really don't like the originals, and I liked the Misfits version even less. Somehow, the ones that fit the closest with the Misfits sound and gimmick are the two they performed the worst on the album. <laughs> And so I, I looked a couple. I looked up a couple of live clips as well. They didn't get better in a live setting. Um, I think Jerry gets worse in a live setting. Yeah, he's he's energetic. He has good stage presence. He's interacting with the audience in a good way. Like people are obviously happy to be there and and enjoying this iteration of the Misfits in the live videos that I've that I've found. I don't know. I I, just, I didn't like any of these songs. I I knew the Monster Mash was coming. And for the first six songs, I was dreading hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if if this wasn't the Misfits, would anyone want to listen to this? No, no. <laughs> clearly not. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of this record? Well, all right. <laughs> it helps that you already know the songs. Most so... of them. There's like one or two I didn't I didn't recognize, but I believe that was their arrangement. And if you're not averse to pop songs of this era, <laughs> you might, I don't know. I mean, you, yeah, you can get that much enjoyment out of it. Like, oh, I know the words to this song already. I can already sing along to it. So that maybe helps a little bit, but I don't want to listen to it again. Um, <laughs> I don't want to listen to any individual track from it again. I didn't know who, who else played in it other than Jerry. Um, before I listened to it, knowing that now it makes it even more disappointing. It really could have been a lot better considering who played on this record. <laughs> they got Ronnie Spector to sing on this. Right, <laughs> and then completely buried her voice. <laughs> yeah, they have and to they... tell you that Ronnie Spector is on here so that you know that Ronnie Spector is on here. <laughs> when it really should have been Ronnie Spector and the Misfits. Like she should have just sang all of the songs, and they played the background music. That might have been, been a little more interesting. Yeah, I would have much rather heard that. I would have much been rather, weird, heard... but it would have been better. <laughs> I would have rather heard Marky just do all the songs. <laughs> um, and I guess I'll say my opinion. I loved it. No, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you guys are wrong. <laughs> no, this is this is one of the worst Misfits records ever made. Like, <laughs> had you heard it before? Um, not all the way through. 
I remember when it was fairly new. It, it came in this really... Remember in the 90s where you'd have like some CDs that would have a special colored jewel case? So this one had like a weird, like almost bluish greenish see through. Yeah. Jewel case. Is everybody still here? Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. It just got weirdly quiet all of a sudden. Um, We're listening. <laughs> why would we interrupt you? <laughs> Somebody's like jewel cases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so did you own this CD and it's fancy? It was more of a turquoise. <laughs> it was. I'd say teal, but yeah, I'd agree. Uh, no, I didn't own this. It was one I remember seeing in stores. Like I remember seeing it in like probably Walmart or something like that, mm-hmm. and being like, "Ooh, what's this sound like?" And using that little in-store scanner thing that lets you like play ten seconds of a song. And you went, "Ooh!" <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I was like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> that was my big takeaway. It, it, it's historically known as one of the worst Misfits records. And which is why the, the the fact that it sold so well was so surprising to me. I mean, I think it's purely because out of curiosity. And then, you know, people hadn't been quite burned by the Michael Graves era misfits. People They're... like that era. I, I don't know. Like, the reaction to Michael Graves misfits, I think, got more negative over time. Hmm. Even after, so? like after he left. I feel like people were a little more receptive of it then. Hmm. Maybe. I think the biggest problem with Michael Graves' Misfits is is just really the songwriting isn't great. Michael isn't a bad singer. In fact, he's a good he's a good singer. He's I know Jerry. He, yeah, he's a much better singer than Jerry, which is part of the problem with this record because like Jerry is trying his hardest to sound like Danzig and Michael Graves, which is kind of unfortunate because his voice. He shouldn't feel beholden to imitating these two much larger personalities and and music. So it's like, just do your thing. And honestly, I mean, the thing is, he can carry the tune. Like, mm -hmm. he was never like, I mean, there were a couple of places where he maybe made the choice to sing a different pitch. I think Mm -hmm. Great Balls of Fire was the, the song that stood out to me the most as not closely following the melody. Mm -hmm. But. That was probably more intentional in in the style, the way that they played it, than he just couldn't hit that note. Yeah, I um, it's funny because I listened to the extended version that's on Spotify. Oh wow! Did you? I must have. I probably did. Like fourteen I, tracks. I did, I did not on purpose. Well, it's fine because those were added in twenty fourteen and like features a different drummer on them, and they're like they they recorded way after the fact, so they're not really part of the record, so you don't have to. But I will say they un- those three bonus tracks understand the concept of the Misfits much better than they did for these song selections. Is, so, it, the, is it the same lineup? Were they were they recorded during the same sessions? No, different lineup. Um, I think it was probably recorded in 2014. So I don't have the exact year when it was recorded, but it's like a different drummer or earn. Yeah, a different drummer. So I think Dez is still on it, but not uh, not Marky. Okay. Uh, okay, no, I did not listen to the expanded edition. So they sound different. They have a, they sound a little more raw. Like it's got a lighter production, which the production on this record is terrible. But his vo- his voice is higher. So like I think because it was so many years later, he he figured out his voice and at that point and stopped trying to do the dancing impression. Yeah. So he's a better vocalist now than he was when he first took over the Misfits. That's, that's how I feel. But the, the, like I was going to say about the song selections. So the gimmick of the Misfits 
is that they wrote spooky lyrics. Mm-hmm. Horror theme, science fiction theme lyrics. And every song they chose for this record, with the exception of the Monster Mash, is just like a love song. This Magic Moment, Dream Lover, Diana, Donna. Uh, yeah, what did I, you think I, of that track, you. track sequencing of Diana into Donna? That was, uh, <laughs> you could have spaced those out some. Okay, my, my least favorite moment on the whole album was when, and this is part of, I think, a bigger issue with the album for me, is that I think that there's a way to do cover songs in an interesting way, especially maybe if you, uh, you know, we see this in, in songs where maybe it's originally a song by a male vocalist and a female vocalist takes it on or vice versa. You know, people can put their own spins on it. They can change up lines here and there. I I didn't pick up on any changes. It was just a straightforward Misfits style version of the original song. And the worst moment for me was when Jerry sings, you're so young and I'm so old in Diana. <laughs> because I, I just think about what that song was, was probably trying to say when it was written in the 50s by Paul Anka. You know, I don't know how, Paul Anka, how old Paul Anka is. Well, he's almost 80. But in the 50s, he's a, he's a teenager at this mm-hmm. time, singing about a very different conception of love than mm-hmm. Jerry only as a 60-year-old man is, is currently singing it. It just it grossed me out. <laughs> <laughs> like, who is he singing that to? Well, just the fact that they didn't think about song selection at all. Like, there are tons of songs from that time period, which, as you can see on the bonus tracks, they understood way more. So the bonus tracks, they cover Witchcraft, Daughter of Darkness, and You're the Devil in Disguise. Yeah. All of those songs make way more sense in the context of the Misfits. You know, they've got spooky themes and evil and stuff like that. They could have done, what is it, Cast a Spell on You, or like even like some artists like, uh, what's that, Question Mark and the Mysterions, or whatever that band's called, 90, yeah, 96 Tears. Just, yeah. They could have found some more obscure, like, Halloween-type songs, or like, they're, they could have found stuff to fit with their imagery. Instead, they were like, oh, let's just turn... Let's just turn Runaway into a Misfit song. <laughs> but then not do the really fun wah, 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 wah in the background. <laughs> I might be I might be really petty about this as well, but the album is called Project 1950. Mm-hmm. And if you take into account the 13 songs 
from including the extra material. There's mm-hmm. only four songs on here that are from the 50s. <laughs> Which four? <laughs> I think it was This Magic Moment, Dream Lover, Diana, and Witchcraft. And Witchcraft, yeah. That's oh, Great Balls of Fire. Great Balls of Fire. So yeah, fun. I was going to say. Yeah. Great yeah, and it, it is weird that they called it 1950 when it's like half 60s, but... And even some yeah. 70s. Which one's the 70s song? Uh, only, only Make Believe by Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there was another one from the 70s. Oh, Daughter of Darkness. Yeah, that's a Tom Jones. Yeah. Well, the good thing about this record is... Well, it's 24 no, minutes long. It's Only Make Believe is actually a 50s song originally. Okay. It was in 58, Conway Twitty released it. Um, okay. All right. Hmm. And they just covered it later. Hmm. Him and Loretta, but I didn't. I didn't look too far into this opinion here, Dylan. Let me off. <laughs> <laughs> we just make wild statements and then never have to back anything up on try, this yeah, show. Then we try and cover them up afterward. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe more than four of the songs are from the fifties. That's how we get in trouble, though. We make sweeping statements, and then people are like, "These idiots didn't know shit about Flipper." <laughs> <laughs> you guys are still wrong about Flipper. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be wrong. <laughs> so, can, okay, can we talk about the length? Because I I only noticed the length now once we were talking about it, and I was looking at the album details a little bit more. It's hmm. only twenty four minutes. I I thought it took me an hour to listen to it. <laughs> With the bonus tracks, it's only thirty one minutes. <laughs> the longest bonus track is two minutes and forty three seconds. <laughs> this album is as long as our EP for today. I mean, yeah. all of these songs are really short to begin with. Like, but, but why do they feel so long? That's what I was going to say. It felt way longer. <laughs> <laughs> the longest song on the 10-track original is 3 minutes and 10 seconds. That's a perfectly normal song length. Yeah. Shit, Grey Balls of Fire is only a minute 50. That song felt like it was 5 minutes long. <laughs> I mean, every version of that song is too long. Yeah. (laughs) Jerry Lee Lewis, enemy of the podcast. (laughs) He's canceled. Come fight me. Guy from the 50s. Hey, potentially murdered his wife. Oh, he did. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't get yourselves in trouble. (laughs) Um, Jerry's lawyers will will be in contact soon. (laughs) So... (laughs) They took these 50s songs and, okay, which, you know, 50s songs, they have a, 50s and 60s songs have a unique recording quality to them, as in the technology wasn't quite there, so you didn't have the clearest sounding production. The Misfits started in the 70s, and the majority of their 70s and 80s records were pretty rough sounding, but that's the nature of, you know, hardcore and punk at the time. You, you know, don't have the money for anything. This record is way too slick, way too clean. Just like the production is too beefy for 50 songs performed by the Misfits. Like, well, but it's, but I, I thought it still sounded muddy and bad. Yeah. I was, well, I was going to say, say. <laughs> it's, it still sounded terrible. Like, right. Just, in particular, I guess I would say it was mostly in the mix. It was very, very poorly mixed. I thought, I mean, just thought the guitars sounded like shit. Really unbalanced. The vocals were, I mean, they buried Ronnie and then, they really could have stood, you know, burying Jerry a little bit because mm. he just didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> it's got an effect on his voice, too. 
Yeah, like, um, and I was trying to figure out what they did to his voice. <laughs> but it it is way too processed. It it really doesn't fit. It doesn't and, gel with the music. It just like hovers over it in this like muddy, swirly, like like a bad bit rate is what it sounds like. Yeah. I'm wondering if it was Jerry not feeling confident as lead singer in the band, maybe? Because I don't I looked on I tried to look at the credits and I didn't really see a producer listed. I saw a couple engineers, but I didn't I don't see any specific producers listed. So I'm assuming the band did it themselves. I mean, yeah. I mean he's got big shoes to fill and maybe I wonder if he even altered his voice to sound lower in some instances. I don't know. Yeah, they could have pitched him down some. Yeah, and I I almost feel like I couldn't hear the bass at all, which is funny because that's Jerry's instrument. So you think it'd be a little louder in the mix, but then at the same time, I don't I don't think I can even remember any bass lines from any Misfits song before maybe Halloween. Yeah, I don't. The bass lines were pretty much just the root. Mm-hmm. Followed the guitar. So that, <laughs> yeah, you know the gimmick the gimmick of the Misfits also wasn't just that they wrote songs with spooky lyrics but it was that they wrote those songs and then sang them like 50s and 60s songs like they always got you know people were like <laughs> they're great they're like they're doing like doo-wop woes and stuff like that and it was when you do the covers directly and as straight as they do them it it it, it kind of brings up a magnifying glass to all the flaws in the band this isn't a. You shouldn't record an entire album. This. This should be like, oh, we played one of these songs live at the end of the show. Yeah. An EP. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've seen old Misfits footage. I might be wrong on this, but I, I don't think that they made cover songs part of their live show, at least in the early days, from what I can remember. I was going to ask that if, like, when Danzig was in the band, if they ever really did covers, and I, I couldn't think of any instances where they did. No, I can't think of any anything. Because it would be known for covering. I mean, it was because it would be too on the nose, I think. Yeah. They're they're doing a what a 50s pastiche to punk rock, you know? Yeah. Well, so it the whole 50s thing, like that's really Danzig's thing, right? Like, I feel like it comes across as though Jerry really only maintains that aesthetic because people expect it it doesn't seem like he's really that into it hmm. i don't know maybe many, i'm just projecting my own impression of it i don't know maybe how long was it before they released another album uh three years psycho in the wax museum came out that, oh, that was an EP. that's an ep it's an ep with like previously unreleased songs from the michael graves era no american so, psycho sessions so yeah the, they didn't the do an, another full length until 2011 yeah, the devil's reign. So it was definitely about just maintaining, just being a live band, I guess. Like that's their thing. And you need an album. Maybe, maybe this record is purely just to indicate a change in the band. You know, Graves is gone, so we need like a representation of what the band sounds like now. So we'll have Jerry do vocals, but he didn't want to write anything new, so he just did a covers album. Like that's my, I don't. Know, maybe that's. We're the Misfits. This is what the Misfits is now. Oh, I don't have any ideas, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, these were songs we grew up on. This is what we're trying to bring to this new era. But that doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the 2011 album, which was original songs, was not good. I have not and will not listen to it. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a hard stance on that one. <laughs> the songs oh, no. yeah, I, I, I just get the impression that jerry doesn't write well doyle was in the band during that yeah doyle does have solo music jerry does not have solo music so maybe that's what it is um well michael see. michael graves has some solo, mm-hmm. solo projects as well he's also a republican <laughs> he's been on fox news talking about finance or something <laughs> just had to throw that out there just yep. in makeup i wish oh well. <laughs> Wikipedia says he became a libertarian in, in 2013. Oh, that's somehow even worse. <laughs> I don't know why. It just is. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can see any like writing credits listed on one of these albums. Written by the Misfits, so they do it that way. Yeah. Full band gets credit. Oh, I wonder if that's a requirement, though. Because doesn't Danzig make money off of these records? <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> He like gets like a stipend from them to like or they like pay a licensing <laughs> to be the Misfits. Yeah, it just says written by the Misfits for the American Psycho, which is the first Graves record. What does Famous Monsters have listed? Released on Roadrunner Records. Good lord. Yep. Which is weird that this record didn't. I mean, I guess it had the Ryko disc distribution, but oh yeah, even America Famous Monsters is written by the Misfits and Daniel Ray, who wrote five four of the tracks. Hmm. Who's Daniel Ray? He's the producer on those albums. Weird. The producer got a writing credit. Yeah. So they just list the band. I'm wondering if Doyle was the one who was like really writing. Well, he was the guitar player. So yeah, that would actually make way more sense. Well, we'll never know. Yeah. Jerry, come on the show. Defend <laughs> yourself. Open invitation. <laughs> um, what, Any other thoughts? I don't know. Let me check my notes here real quick. Because I still have <laughs> five pages of notes. I do. <laughs> going to hear... <laughs> no, it's all on the screen. I type it. Um, by the end of this record, well, not even by the end of this record, by like halfway through this record, I was so sick of the joke. I was like, <laughs> "Get it? Like, yeah, we get it. We get it. You sang Donna. Cool." <laughs> <laughs> Which, what is that? There's another band that covered Donna that I listened to their version quite a few times. I can't think of who it is. Is it MXPX? <laughs> Probably. Yes, right. MXPX has a cover of Donna, which is on Let It Happen. Awesome. Better than the Misfits version? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. But I would say, which song was the best? Was Donna the best song? No. Diana might have been the best song. That's the one with the saxophone in it. And this magic moment wasn't bad. Yes, it was. I didn't think it was bad. <laughs> I, I, 
Do you just like this magic moment in general? Like the song? No, that song's alright. Do you just dislike magic moments? <laughs> I'm I'm okay with magic moments. I would say of the two on here, uh, the the original versions that I like the most are probably this magic moment and Dream Lover. Okay. Uh, and the rest, I'm either indifferent to or I I dislike strongly. You know, I don't I don't think I know latest flame. Maybe I do. I don't know. I don't know that there You've was anything. Heard it. I mean, yeah. it's an Elvis song. It's true. And only only make believe might be the only one I wasn't that familiar with. And like I said, their arrangement on Runaway changes it so much that like it took me a minute to realize that's what they were doing. Yeah. But is that the only innovative moment on the album? Innovative doesn't mean good. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they changed like I said, they changed the melody on the Monster Mash chorus, which is like that's the only part of the song with a melody. <laughs> The rest of it's just, oh, I was in my lab. And <laughs> the chorus is the only part with any singing on it, and they changed the melody to the most recognizable part of the song. Uh, apparently they had released a 7-inch version of the Monster Mash in 1999. Was it the same version? I don't think so. Huh. So maybe that's what inspired this record. They were like, hey, what if we just did that? <laughs> Ten times. <laughs> Misfits, Misfits Vinyl can can fetch a lot of money. Does this middle era have like? Is that the stuff that's the most expensive? Or no, no, ex- no, definitely excluding not. early Danzig stuff, I guess. Yeah, early Danzig stuff is definitely the most expensive. I was looking this morning. Uh, the most that the Cough Cool She Seven Inch has sold for is just under four thousand dollars. The that's bullet, not even a good one. The Bullet Seven Inch. Uh, Again, median price is almost two thousand dollars. Highest it's gone is over over three thousand. I think especially early color vinyl goes for a lot. That's true because that was kind of one of their gimmicks early on, as they were doing color vinyl when a lot of bands weren't. Yeah, Walk Among Us first pressings are in the low to mid hundreds. Yeah, so I mean they're they're like a collectible band that that continues to produce collectible merch that people spend a lot of money on. Is it because, when did they, like, I wish we could have been around during that time period just to, like, observe, like, were people talking about the Misfits in the 70s and 80s, or did they kind of gain notoriety later, thanks to, like, Metallica and uh, Guns N' Roses kind of repping them real hard? I don't know, because especially those early years, like you talked about at the at the top, Static Age is their first album, but it didn't come out until 97, mm-hmm. but it was recorded in 78, and and you've got their their early run of releases are either low run seven inches or you know there's there's a couple early full lengths but then some comps some live albums so their their dis- their discography is a bit of a mess yeah a lot of re-releases a lot of re-recordings of songs a lot of box sets a lot of yeah comps yeah yeah I mean uh, Walk Among Us might have been a big deal when it came out. I could see that. And maybe nothing before that really blew up. I know there's that video footage. Where there's a live record with like Henry Rollins. Like doing guest vocals with them. In the Misfits. Okay I don't know that one. It's yeah that like was a... recorded at um, at Broadway in San Francisco. Yeah so they're I, doing I well enough to travel. On the, on, the, on the Wikipedia page. Black Flag was, was playing at Mabui Gardens. So Henry came up and played with them. So maybe maybe they were kind of a big deal, but they were maybe a delayed thing. Yeah, it, they didn't quite take off. Maybe until I mean, years. I don't know. They went through a lot of members and they toured a lot. I, I feel like they were 
active enough that yeah. people knew them. But They're also yeah, so I mean, different. They don't fall into any of the like any of the big labels, mm-hmm. punk labels at the time. Is it all Caroline and and their own label? Right? Is Plan Nine yeah. their label? Plan Nine was was theirs. Huh. So they were. I guess they were kind of outsider band. Well, they weren't a hardcore band either. Yeah, I mean, and they they were playing straightforward punk as everything was shifting towards <laughs> with do what melodies more <laughs> aggressive and spooky. Sounds, but I mean, they got there eventually. Yeah. What else is in your notes, Justin? <sighs> um, let's see. I think we've hit most of them. I did want to say that the rate your music score is a two point two three, making it their second lowest rated album. Uh-huh. Behind the Devil's Reign from 2011, uh, the next highest album is American Psycho, which came out in '97. That's the first Michael Gray's record. Weirdly, Famous Monsters has a higher score than that one. And their highest-rated album is Static Age with a 4.02, which that's Danzigera. We so I sent you all these lists. So because we're not doing like full-on charts for specific years um, for some of these albums, I've just been looking up the genre and the year that the record came out, and. Um, Horror punk has never been a humongous genre anyway, but 2003 was a very, 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 very bad year (laughs) for horror punk. (laughs) I mean, is there anyone who's good? Right. Outside of the Misfits (laughs) classic era? I only looked at this list really quickly, but the band at number 12. (laughs) This is a low effort joke, but it really made me laugh. Number 12 is a band called Penis Flytrap. <laughs> yeah, I've seen their name a few times on these <laughs> these lists. <laughs> it's really low effort, but <laughs> I got uh, it for a second. Do, the only other names I recognize, I recognize the name Blitzkid, but I don't know what they sound like. Well, I, I do know what they sound like. Because <laughs> <laughs> every horror punk band sounds exactly the same. And then Balzac, who I only am aware of due to their relationship to the Misfits. What? Do any of these names look familiar? Is that... Oh, no, not at all. But I don't listen to horror punk really at all. No, I don't Except either. Misfits. There's Yeah, there's very little of it that's yeah well-known. Mainly because it's not that original. Like, it's just everybody doing the Misfits. Like, I can't think yeah. of any... I can't think of any other horror punk bands. Like, legit horror punk bands that aren't just a Misfits clone. It doesn't matter. If you... Yeah... And I guess it, it depends on how you want to classify like those TSOL records. AFI, that's yeah, that's Which, the, the one, I guess. But even then, they were still mostly just doing the Misfits to begin with. Well, they were just doing pop punk, skate punk, maybe. And they yeah. just had some spooky lyrics and like, uh, what's his name, was uh, influenced by Danzig's vocal style. like A couple devil locks. Yeah. It, it, they probably are the most unique and then 45 Grave. But they're almost classified as a death rock band more. Yeah. Which, yeah. And there's Wednesday 13 is listed here, but he's... Yeah, I guess. Wednesday 13, Murder Dolls, is technically horror punk. And then, so then you're getting into that... Whew, that, um... <laughs> what I call a gas station band. <laughs> the, the type of band that you only find their merchandise at a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Ink and Dagger. Yeah, uh, that's the only other big name I could think of. And even then, I really, d- I just think of them as a hardcore band with vampire makeup. So yeah, not really a horror punk band. Yeah, 
Yeah. So it's it's one of the. It's one <laughs> yeah. of the... Actually, here I'll say one of the better, m- more unique sounding uh, horror punk bands that I can think of would be Blaster the Rocket Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's true because they're, but they're also copying like ten other bands at the same time. Yeah. Like they're doing Dead Kennedys and the Dickies and like a little bit of the Misfits and. Nobody knows who Blast the Rocket Man is. <laughs> now they do. It's your homework. You've all got go, home. listen, go listen to Blaster the Rocket Man, the Christian horror punk band who was not on Tooth and Nail Records. So, you know, take that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did anybody else look up live footage from this era? No, I have seen live footage. Okay. I've got one video to share with you. Okay. Are you able to watch this one, Dylan? Yeah, give me you don't that. really you don't really need the sound for this one if it if it doesn't work. There's just a couple of things that I want to point out. So uh, I couldn't find a ton of information about where or when this show took place, but it was uploaded by YouTube user Mark Mickey in November of 2013, uh, and it's taking place somewhere snowy. And if you'll notice at the beginning of the video, there's quite a large amount of distance between <laughs> the crowd and the band, um, which you know, I understand that oftentimes when bands get a little bit bigger, they like a barrier between themselves and the crowd. There's very often a physical barrier, maybe a, a, a piece of railing or, or indoor fencing. At, at a certain point, Jerry only says out loud to the security guard, let them in or something like that. Let them come down. And the security guard lets down that barrier and people start rushing toward the stage. I think that happens a little over a minute in. Yeah, about a minute and 40 in. They start taking things, uh, the the fencing down, <laughs> and start rushing. But then, then snowballs start being thrown at the band. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna send you this specific timestamp because Jerry only does something kind of cool here. Did you get that link? Yeah. Okay. So at about the two thirty mark, someone whiffs a snowball at him and he catches it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good move. I, I just saw Dez back there, and yeah. at first I was like, what's wrong with Dez? He looks Dez? awful, but he's wearing makeup. <laughs> yeah, but, but even with the makeup, he still looks horrible. I think he's just kind of always looked like that. Okay. I, I feel like I've seen black flag footage where he kind of looked like that. Who's that coming oh. out with the leather jacket? Okay, so this is another <laughs> point I have. <laughs> I've got a story about this. So I am watching this. And I had the same reaction you did. Who is this coming out in the leather jacket? They're playing Dream Lover, and someone appears on stage who looks kind of like Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just, he's wailing away on the background vocals. Um, so if you watch to the end, they have credits of who appeared in in this video. Uh, it's John Caffiero. Oh. And, and I don't know who that is, but he's listed, if you're, if you're listening to this album on Spotify... He is listed as a guest vocalist on some of these tracks. John Caffiero is a musician, a film Mm -hmm. director, and a film producer. He is the front man. This is what we talked about a little bit earlier uh, for the punk supergroup Osaka Popstar. Mm -hmm. And Osaka Popstar is, I believe they were a cover band, right? They they covered anime songs. (laughs) Is that what they were? I think so. (laughs) I think they might have done some other songs. But I, I, I know they covered the Sailor Moon theme song. Uh, <laughs> they covered the Astro Boy theme song. Or maybe they just sang about them. Is, I, it, the, I, is it middle-aged men singing like 
the theme songs to these anime? Yeah, so the Osaka Popstar album was released in 2006. <laughs> and then, so they, they toured at the same time as the Misfits, because I believe Jerry Only is, was, or is, I don't think he's still in it. Wikipedia doesn't have him listed, they have him listed as a previous member, but Dez and Jerry Only were in Osaka Popstar. Hmm. But now, John Worcester, who plays with Bob Mould and Super Chunk, and the Mountain Goats is in Osaka Popstar. <laughs> what? <laughs> With John Cafiero. But that's not even the best detail about John Cafiero. John Cafiero directed the music videos for American Psycho and for Dig Up Her Bones. But he also directed the insane clown posse movie, Big Money Hustlers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that explains the Misfits uh, ICP connection. I don't think that time fully period. explains it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, also I think it's just an overlapping <laughs> fan base. <laughs> so this, I love I, in that video, video Marky Ramon is just Marky Ramon. Like, yeah, he's not. Yeah, he, he, is the, he is the best part of this video. And did you drum, notice that? <laughs> sorry, go ahead. His drum kit says Marky Ramon. <laughs> Doesn't even say the Misfits. <laughs> yes. He's like, I'm not getting a special drum head for this. <laughs> but his his drumming is is the best part of this video. I mean, it's the best part of the record. Yeah, <clears throat> it, it really is. He's wearing a Spider Man t shirt too. He's, he's not even got... he, he didn't even try. No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know where the the, uh... the beater head on his kick drum has the the little circle where the the beater hits and it says "Hey ho, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> he's also he's not getting your gear for this. This isn't paying him enough. Also. No. Jerry is chewing gum the entire time. <laughs> that is driving me crazy. Uh, there's one other good part. I don't have a timestamp for it. If you feel like finding it later, I don't know if this was intentional or if it was a snow joke. But at one point, Jerry says to the crowd, "Hey, you guys are pretty cool." <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask, what is Jerry only su- supposed to be like? What is what is people's takeaway of Jerry Only? Is he considered like a nice guy? Is he like considered a jerk? Like we all know Danzig's an asshole. Um, and like Jerry gets a lot of shit. And I've always wondered if like, is Jerry an asshole too? Or is it just because he's not Danzig? So everybody kind of shit on him. I'm not into the misfits fan base enough to know the answer to that. But I thought <laughs> I, w- I was watching a couple videos this morning. There was a couple, there's a, there's a YouTube channel that, Oh, I can't find it now, but there are a couple and they do a lot of Misfits uh, review videos together. They reviewed this album. There's a 20 minute album review up. Um, and they also, they, they went to a meet and greet with Jerry only. And he seemed friendly in the video. There was a huge crowd of people in New York city waiting to get stuff signed by him. I'm curious if he got a bad rap. <laughs> yeah. That's well, possible. I think he's just not very creative. I mean, I think yeah. he, he seems like he was having fun. Which yeah, is more than you can generally say about Glenn. Um, well, and the he, fact that he's willing to like play Misfits songs. <laughs> <clears throat> that kid in this video has uh, dancing hair. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious if if history has been unkind to Jerry only, and maybe we should uh, we all owe him an apology. Maybe. <laughs> well, I think he could still do his own thing. Yeah, and, and see, that's my problem. Is it? it it seems like he's he's too wrapped up in the 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 name, and I mean I guess th- they did try and do their own thing, Doyle and Jerry. Um, 
Well, I mean, they did do their own thing. They, I mean, they kept the name Misfits, but... But, I mean, separating from the name entirely, like, they did try yeah. other things and weren't successful. Um, so, but it just, I don't know. It just comes across as really more of a paycheck than anything. And it, I mean, and if he's having fun doing it, I guess that's fine, but... Well, I think he's also, he knows there's a gap in the Misfits. You know, Danzig's not going to go... I mean, he's doing these Misfits shows now, but I think those are actually some sort of contractual obligation. I don't think he's doing these Misfits shows for because he wants to. I think these shows are something. I think there's some lawsuit or something that this is the result of it. Um, I don't know too much on the details of it, but... Probably just to be able to retain any any ownership. Yeah, maybe Jerry's like, look, if you don't come play shows with us, <laughs> I'm gonna own this band name. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Punk Law Talk. Yeah. We need to get John Gentile on. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, I've got one more video, and then, okay. I, have a, and then I have a new bit. Um, <laughs> so, Trying out some new material on us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, this is a bass cover. I know I said I didn't have any bass covers, but I've got one. You don't really need the sound for this one either, if it's not working for you, Dylan. This is more just what this guy is doing with his channel. I think it's <laughs> really funny. Uh, this is Thunder Bassist J. Doing a bass cover from October of last year of Diana from Project 1950. This was his 500th cover on his channel. And what Thunder Bassist J likes to do is superimpose himself over existing footage. He did it for another one of the songs off this album. I can't remember which one he did. It might have been Donna. But he whatever whatever song the Misfits put out, a video for from this album he just superimposed himself over top their video uh, but in this video the diana cover he superimposed himself over top of what i gather from the comments is footage from the young ones i was gonna say that's the dude from the young ones <laughs> yeah but, but if, you, if you don't know what the young ones is this is just a a lunatic inflating an inflatable doll with with tape all over her um he's in his underwear <laughs> He's got his his dress shirt tucked into his underwear. <laughs> he's just like leaping around the the apartment with this blow up doll. At one point, he stuffs the head of the blow up doll into his pants, trying to conceal it from when somebody else comes home or comes into the apartment. <laughs> and you've got Thunder Bassist Jay just really calmly playing along and on the side. <laughs> and his shirt says, "So what?" Uh, I think that's an attitude we can all embrace a little more. Yeah. This footage, so, wow. Like, I don't think I've ever seen <laughs> this. I haven't seen very many episodes of The Young Ones. Um, I would have never expected this scene to be. <laughs> it's it's unsettling next to Thunder Basis J. Especially without the jokes. I'm sure the jokes are funny. <laughs> Maybe. If that show is, if, if you're a fan of that show. But Alright, I have a new a new idea for a bit. Okay. So I didn't want to do tattoos today. I thought, I've overdone that a little bit. And I thought, with the Misfits, there's just there's going to be so much. It's going to be impossible to whittle down. Um, so I thought, what about Misfits memes? Oh. <laughs> You're intrigued. <laughs> so <laughs> Tell me more. I have a sampling platter for you here <laughs> of some Misfits memes. For a second, I thought you were going to say fan art. Um, I mean, there might be some crossover. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this one right here. What? <laughs> This one, 
<laughs> this one is, is particularly topical. This is a Takashi <clears throat> 6 9 Misfits matchup. Mashup. Uh, it says Snitch Fits <laughs> from Instagram user Crustin Bieber. <laughs> and it's got Takashi's face tats and rainbow hair, rainbow grill over the Misfits skull. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I have a lot, by the way. <laughs> Number two. Uh, oh, this is an entire this is an entire Misfits memes account. So I got some good I got some good content from here. Uh, this one's not really a meme. I don't I don't know how you feel about people taking Twitter posts and just turning them into Instagram posts. But this is a Twitter post, um, a tweet from at Wormboy. The Misfits skull is just live, laugh, love for punks. So. <laughs> this one is all over the place, I think, because I've already seen two versions of this exact same joke. The Misfits goal is just live, laugh, love for punks. Right. So the the classic internet just stealing everything from everyone else. But yep. this meme, this tweet could be the original, I guess. I don't know. It's pretty recent. I don't know. It's just from well, like, the ones I've seen were like within the last ago. week. So okay, uh, that's from po- reposted by Misfits Memes one thirty eight on Instagram. <laughs> Give them a follow if <laughs> you like. Of course it is. <laughs> Oh, I like this one. <laughs> this one combines. <laughs> this is the Green Hell Chili Peppers. This is Anthony Kiedis, my good friend Anthony Kiedis. Yes. Rocking a, a devil lock. <laughs> really, really low effort. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the world of Misfits memes is. Well, uh, I can't imagine that, like, the top tier meme makers are doing, spending too much time with the Misfits. <laughs> I don't think so either. I thought this one was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, Jerry Seinfeld with Jerry Only's uh, devil lock and jacket and <laughs> makeup. <laughs> it's not It's not a great Photoshop job, but it does the trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I've got one more from Instagram. and then Oh, I like this one. <laughs> this is uh, Melissa Joan Hart in Clarissa. Clarissa explains it all? Yeah. Yeah. Clarissa explains it all with... Uh, Say no to Michael Graves sign on the back of her door. <laughs> and the 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 uh, the bottom comment on this, or the most recent comment, I guess, is from Instagram user Killer Metal underscore nine ninety one, who says, "That's not funny. Michael Graves was good, and he still is." <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart also a Republican oh, and a Mister fan. I don't know about that one. Okay. Uh, okay, I've got a few more that I had to save to my desktop that I'm going to have to. Pop into the chat here. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. I was I, I wasn't sure whether to send this first or last. Oh boy, <laughs> Miss Bits famous ponies. So it's a My Little Pony Misfits famous monsters mashup. <laughs> yeah, I don't like this one. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> okay, I've got three more for you, <laughs> and then we're done. Um. Oh, this is a classic text post. So it's the uh, Willy Wonka meme. So this is the Willy Wonka meme. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, I didn't see the real misfits, you say? Please tell me about all the times you saw them with Danzig. What does that even... <laughs> Just like when people say, like, it's not the real misfits. Just so a little like... bit of misfit Willy Wonka snark. Yeah. Uh, okay, two more. <laughs> <laughs> you like this one? Yeah, I like this one. That's a good one. It's the uh, 
the dentist from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as a Misfits fan. He's got a devil lock. He's got the Crimson Ghost on his shirt. And it says, why am I such a misfit? <laughs> Herbie, that's his name, isn't it? Okay, last one. Uh, this might give us some perspective on how to feel about today's listening experience. So just keep that in mind. This is, again, maybe not so much a meme, but we can interpret it in a mimetic way. Um, and <laughs> this is an inspirational post for us as we finish talking about the Misfits. <laughs> what? That has nothing to do with the Misfits. <laughs> yes, it does. Read it. Uh, it just because it has the word Misfits in it. <laughs> this is a quote from Jacob Nordby. Who's uh, that? I don't know. It was... It was <laughs> This image was, I, I, I think we can credit it to Facebook user Prince Ia. Uh, and it's just a nice text post, much in the vein of, of a live, laugh, love poster. <laughs> something to keep in mind. It says, blessed are the weird people. Poets, misfits, writers, mystics, painters, troubadours, for they teach us to see the world through different eyes. It really bugs me that they left off the comma between writers and mystics. Because <laughs> I was like, what's a writer's mystics? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the important part, guys. <laughs> it's that maybe the misfits teach us to see the world through different eyes. <laughs> through eyes with paint underneath them. <laughs> <laughs> through eyes hidden behind a devil lock. <laughs> uh, oh, well, I think we just talked about the misfits for an hour. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like a solid hour of misfits chat. So, <laughs> what should we rate? We this never album? have to talk about them again. <laughs> the only reason we would would be well, no, we got to cover both eras, all the eras. So we need a Danzig lineup and we need a Michael Graves lineup. <laughs> Once a year, we'll talk about them. Um, what should we rate this record? You go first, Dylan. <laughs> okay. I gave it a two simply based on the fact that there's nothing truly egregious. It wasn't something that I felt like I wanted to turn off as quickly as possible. I didn't really enjoy it, but I could I could sit through it. Um, and, it, it, you know, they clearly all played well. I think it earns the bulk of that, too, just based on on Marky's drumming. But, yeah, I, I think that's where I'm going to sit. What about you, Dylan? Or Justin? Um, I'm going to give it a 2.25. Um, you're right. The two carries a bulk of that and just like their performance. And they're, you know, they're not bad. Marky is a good drummer. The drumming is the best part of the record. Um, it's competently made. It's well done. And I'm going to give it the 0.25 based on the originals. I mean, the fact that the majority of these songs are really well, you know, super well-known songs and classics for a reason. Um it's not a genre that I love the mo- that much, but like you couldn't do this record without those songs, and those songs also are the skeleton of the record. So, yeah, I'm going to 2.25. Um, I'm going to go with a 1.75. <laughs> I don't really feel like justifying it. <laughs> <laughs> I dislike I disliked it more than the two of you. Um, I think that. Uh, so when when I am on your show, I always listen to the albums twice through so that I can at least twice through to, to see if I can pick up on things that maybe I didn't the first listen. So I did listen to it once through without stopping. Uh, mm-hmm. The second time there was a couple of songs where I, I, I didn't skip over them, but I 
I fast forwarded through them. I'd go to half the song and then I'd skip ahead another 10 seconds, uh, especially the back half of the album. I really didn't enjoy it. I thought that for the, the caliber of musicians who were on here, it, it just doesn't make sense to me that it's so bad. I think that everyone was, was misused. I think that maybe Jerry only misunderstands how much people want to hear from John Caffiero. He's on here for th- three songs. Oh, I also oh, wow. wanted to mention John is also the co-owner of the Misfits Records label. So Okay. So that may be part of it too. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I I think that it it's unfathomable that they would use Ronnie Spector in this underutilized way. I mean they have a Springsteen horn player on here. <laughs> yeah. And they're just kind of thrown out there and not given much to do. And it so just everything is just tossed off. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I really didn't like it. Didn't want to listen to it that second time through, but thought I should for the for the pod. And yeah, one point seven five. That's that's where I stand on it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk about our EP now. Um, so <laughs> we have a time. Yeah, we don't have much. Um, so the arbitrary number on this is number two hundred two, which is surprisingly high on the EP chart, uh, and it is Secret Shame. And their self-titled EP, Secret Shame. on July 14th, 2017 on Error Records, which is a record label based out of Asheville. The personnel on this record is Lena on vocals, Nikki on guitars, Matthew on bass, Ant on drums, and Daniel on synths. I could not find last names. Uh, The only last names I saw listed were like Lena Machina and like Nikki Jish. And then when I got to Matthew Melancholy 
and I was like, oh, they're all their last names are all Smashing Pumpkins album titles. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is not their real names. Um, uh, the album, I, don't, I didn't know who the producer was on this record or the engineer, but the uh, album was mastered by Jack Shur- Jack, bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> Jack Shirley from Comadre uh, fame, uh, who is the go-to uh, master guy, I guess, for anything like punk and hardcore and in that That's vein. Cool. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. So, I knew this. I knew this band from their album art. Like, I recognized that album cover. I definitely listened to it once or twice mm-hmm. when it came out. I want to say I probably found it on a music blog or something along those lines. I think Cult Nation had an article on it, and that may be why mm-hmm. I saw the artwork and listened to it a little bit. I wasn't really familiar with Error Records. Uh, the biggest thing they released was a split from Droughts and William Bonney. Um, but I had 100% completely forgotten that I have seen this band live. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, they opened for Photo Crime in Asheville last year. So, like, I, yeah. It, do you remember it, seeing them? I do remember them. Um, I remember them being enjoyable, but, like, it was just, I'd just completely forgotten them, their name. Um, so, if you're in this band and <laughs> you hear about this, sorry, I forgot that I saw you. But, <laughs> so this is a goth rock record. Uh, a little bit of yeah, that's, that's primarily what you would classify this as. Um, I was instantly reminded of the Italian goth band we covered last year, Dystopian Society. You remember those, Dylan? I think it sounds a lot better than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's in that vein, that style of goth rock. The production isn't quite what I want from this EP. Um, I wish there was more like reverb on the instruments. It, it would I think it would have made it sound a lot a lot more impressive to have a little bit more in the way of production on here. But um, vocally, I noticed that Lena is very similar to lead singer Pleasure Leftist, who we also talked about on here. Um, okay. Was that also a Halloween episode? Yeah. On the least Halloween-y of the Halloween episodes, it was like <laughs> Pleasure <laughs> Leftist and Puerto Rico Flowers? Or is that a different one? <laughs> I don't uh, remember. Yeah, it was a year ago. Um, I, uh, I got kind of a Zola Jesus vibe on the vocals. Um, I'm not familiar with them, so okay. Yeah. What 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 did you think of this record? I really liked it. Did you? Yeah, I really liked it. I so I listened to it first last night uh, after I had listened to Project 1950, mm-hmm. and when I saw the song titles, sorry, not the song titles. When I saw the song length, already feeling like I had spent an hour. And but now learning that I only spent 24 minutes <laughs> listening to Misfits, I was not stoked to listen to this. But then as soon as it started, I was really into it. Hmm. I I do think the songs are a little bit long in places. Yeah. But like musically, I was picking up. Well, I, I mentioned Zola Jesus on vocals. Uh, that's what I thought of at first. Uh, but now that you mentioned Pleasure Leftists, I can I can pick up on that as well. Musically, though, it made me think of Autonomy. Do you guys know that band? No. So um, I was really into Dirt Cult Records when they, especially when they first started out, and they were putting out a lot of the Shanghai Records, and they put out this great album in 2012. And I don't think a ton of people bought it because I I see it often, not often. I see it sometimes pop up for like four dollars in the four dollar bin. Um, so I don't think a ton of people bought it. I don't think it became any anything other than a. Uh, you know, one of those records that you have in your collection and then don't really care about selling. But they had this great album called The Art of Work in the Age of Digital Reproduction. And they were 
just kind of like a like a like a dark or death rock anarcho punk band. I think they're still going, and I think they kind of operate on like a more of a a collective formula rather than set band members. Um, I noticed that they have a bunch of different band members floating in and out depending on where they live. I think they move around a lot as well. Uh, I can't remember where they used to be based out of, but I think now they're from Chicago. So musically, this reminded me a lot of Autonomy, who's a band that I really like. Um, so yeah, for I don't know. For me, it just I don't I I don't know if it was just like coming out of really not enjoying the Misfits and then <laughs> just <laughs> feeling good about listening to it. But when I listened to it again this morning, I felt the same. I thought it was I thought it was overall really good. I think there's a couple moments on there that didn't quite work for me, but after their demo, this was their first release. So you know, it's like an early it's a it's a an early release from a young band still getting their legs. Uh, but I, I think that even given that, like it's it's fairly mature and fleshed out. Some of the melodies are so so good on here. She is like the de- like the strongest part of the band. Like she's yeah. a great vocalist. I think. Yeah. with it maybe probably just the production value um it was recorded in black mountain uh which dylan used to live um yeah so i can't imagine there's like much of a studio there um i mean then the studio name that you said made made me think it was just home recorded um yeah that name didn't stand out to me at all i don't i don't know of a studio in black mountain by that name so <clears throat> i am um, i recorded I, at el rancho el ranchero morbido yeah yeah, yeah. um the, the the I don't know if this is well you you can decide whatever you want to drop in but f- uh, for me track four crystal kind like everything came together for me in the chorus I think it was the best moment on the EP like the vocal line the lyrics the instrumentation everything together was so perfect in that one moment and I don't think they hit like that high mark for me elsewhere mm-hmm. there was a, there was a couple really good moments. Um, only one song that I didn't really dig, um, but uh, yeah, just like a couple standout moments that for me I think showed a lot of promise for this band. Like the dis- the disco beat in the last song, "Father Take." Yeah, uh, I, th- I thought "Father Take." Like the second half of "Father Take" is like one of the best moments on the entire album. Yeah, like that disco beat came in, and I was so excited. Yeah, 
Yeah, I thought Father Take and I thought Crystal Kind were definitely the two best songs on the record. Uh, and it starts off strong with Revolution. Um, yeah, my my takeaway from them live was that they were a really good band. I was like, man, these guys these guys are promising. You know, like they definitely can do something. And I, I forgot that I listened to the EP before, but I think I like them live a little more than uh, this this EP. Yeah. Um, if I don't know if they've added some musicians or they changed some. I think they changed the lineup a little bit. So the live show. Their 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 sound is a little more dynamic and a little bit more varied in sound in effects and everything. So um, yeah, I think they've improved. They have an album that came out this year, which I have not listened to, um, but I might give that one a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this? Um, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty good. I you know I enjoyed listening to it. Um, I just had a really hard time latching on to anything in, in particular that that really worked for me. Um, the vocals were pretty strong. Um, this probably the strongest part, the most distinct part. And I mean, there were there were moments where, you know, there was like a really good, a good bass groove and they did some pretty cool things throughout. But yeah, it, it didn't blow me away. Um, but it's definitely not bad by any means. It, and And for the most part, it's just a little bit outside my typical music listening wheelhouse. You know, I don't listen to a very much gothic rock. So I think it just maybe didn't work for me in the way that most goth rock doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I decided to take a look at the, um, the goth charts for 2017 to see what else had come out around that time. And there's some good stuff. Like, Goth in 2017 is definitely doing much better than Horror Punk in 2003 was. Um, <laughs> like, some, some standout records on here, uh, as Dread Majesty's The Demonstration came out in 2017, which I love that record. I love that record a lot. It's definitely, like, a gothy, dark wave record. Um, and then that Wayland Storms record, Six City, came out, which they're another North Carolina band. Um, I like them a lot, too. I would hesitate to call them a goth rock band, but there's that's an element. They are also like listed as like a garage rock, punk rock, post punk band. So like they they got a little bit going on. They have a lot of different stuff going on. Um, I think there's anything else on this page that I needed to. Yeah, there's those are like the only two that I'm familiar with, <laughs> um, <laughs> which goes to show how much. I mean, like I know the name Chelsea Wolf, but. Right, Chelsea Wolf is don't good. Really know what it sounds like <laughs> other uh, than I could guess. Chelsea Wolf is good. It's just not what I listen to often, primarily because the songs are so slow. But it Chelsea Wolf is definitely like it's a good. She yes, she's a performer, right? Like that's her, the artist's name, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that band. I've, I yeah. recognize the art, but I, I don't think I've ever listened to it. Uh, Chelsea Wolf, yeah, that's the performer's name. So oh. yeah, um, yeah. Think- it's not a band, yeah, or more so much as a, it's her music. Yeah, she's con- like she's she's very critically acclaimed. Um, definitely talked about a lot. It's just not my type of thing. It's a little too slow for me. Okay. On the EP side, there's two bands I did want to mention too. Is they had any e- uh, EPs? Uh, Ritual Howls had one. They had an EP called Their Body, and Temple of Angels had one, uh, which was a self-titled. Temple of Angels are like a goth. They are a goth rock band, but they've got a lot of dream pop and even some like shoegaze elements. So I like them a lot. Yeah. And that Ritual Howls record is good because it's more more traditional goth rock. I think of like it, it feels more Cure based, like um, early '80s sound. But yeah, those are the big ones as far as goth year. 
Plus, 2017 was also a big year for post-punk, and there is a lot of overlap in gothic rock and post-punk from 2017, so I bet yeah. if you added post-punk, you'd see a lot more similar things. Yeah. Hmm. Do we have anything else in the notes? No, I don't have anything else in the notes. Yeah. My my biggest thing would be to maybe trim some of these songs down a little bit. They're, they're just a little long. And like we said, the, it, this EP is as long as the full length we talked about <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so it kind of makes a few moments drag on here. But um, yeah, I, th- I think for me, the only instrumentation or like production thing that that just for my tastes, I mean, they can do whatever they want in the band. It's their band. Uh, like if they had a little bit more meat on that bass, like a little bit more distortion on there. Mm-hmm. That for me would 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 be it. Yeah, that. I, yeah, I'd be all in on this. That's probably the most lacking element. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the vocals and the drums are probably stand out the most for me, especially those disco-y beats. Mm-hmm. Um, well, unless we have anything else we want to say about it, we can give it a rating. No, yeah, that's all. That's all I've got for notes. Uh, Dylan, what would you give it? I'm gonna give it a three point five. Um, for me, that's kind of the I enjoyed it while I was listening to it, but probably won't revisit it. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to hearing their newest record, see how they've changed in the intervening years. But, yeah. Um, I'd give it a... I'm probably in the same boat. I'd give it a 3.5, but I, I think I like... I think my 3.5 may be a little higher than your 3.5. <laughs> I don't know what that, how that exactly... 3.5 too. <laughs> yeah. It, when I give something a 3.5, I like it a little more. So I guess it's my definition of what a 3.5 is. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. it. It's not something I'm going to go back to very often. But I would not be opposed if someone put it back on. And I, I, um, I'm I, interested to give the full length a listen. So yeah, that's where I'm at at it. Uh, I would give it a 3.9. <laughs> I, I thought it was really good. Um, just a couple of... Of weaker moments for me, uh, but I will for sure go and listen to the full length. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes from this band. Well, well, awesome. Um, I forgot to put what we're talking about next week on this on my notes, so give me a second. <laughs> well, uh, while he's doing that, um, this episode should be going up. When is this one going up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one's going up the 16th, yeah. I believe. Well, if you are in Asheville uh, and you like the sound of Secret Shame, you should go see them. They're playing at the Wicked Weed Funkatorium on the 25th with nice. Spirit System. So that we could give that little shout out there. For sure. This will actually go up before that show actually happens. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And they are re- local regional for me. So that's funny. It's so funny because they're an Asheville band and I, and I have seen them live, but I when we chose them for this episode, I'd forgotten that that's who they, who they were. All right. So next week we are talking about more horror punk. We've got grave robber with their album inner sanctum, some Christian horror punk. So that'll be interesting. And our EP for that episode is flesh for Lulu and their EP Roman candle. So some uh, more eighties goth rock there for you, but uh, we'll continue our Halloween spooktacular. And, uh, Corey, thanks a lot for doing the show again. Yeah, always. Thanks, guys. And listening to the Misfits. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, as always, continue to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at PunkLottoPod. Our email address is PunkLottoPod at gmail.com. And um, our website is PunkLottoPod.SimpleCast.FM. Give us a rating on iTunes. Helps people find us more. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I would say well, you can see us all at Fest next week, but that's not next week. It'll be the week after. So, um, yeah. Exciting. So, yeah. Thanks a lot. I don't know how to end this stupid end show. It. Just stop God. talking. Peace right. out, posers. Decomposers. Decomposers. <laughs> all right. So, next week, we are talking about more horror punk. We've got Grave Robber with their album Inner Sanctum. Some Christian horror punk, so that'll be interesting. And our EP for that episode is Flesh for Lulu, and their EP Roman Candle. So some uh, more '80s goth rock there for you. But uh, we'll continue our Halloween spooktacular. And uh, Corey, thanks a lot for doing the show again. Yeah, always. Thanks, guys. And listening to the Misfits. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as always, continue to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at PunkLottoPod. Our email address is PunkLottoPod at gmail.com. And um, our website is PunkLottoPod.SimpleCast.FM. Give us a rating on iTunes. Helps people find us more. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I would say well, you can see us all at Fest next week, but that's not next week. It'll be the week after. So, um, yeah exciting so yeah thanks a lot i don't know how to end this stupid just end show it. just stop God. talking peace right. out posers decomposers decomposers <laughs> vampiro last week your road to the wcw title tournament went through berlin we also saw the debut of the misfits tell us about your alliance with the misfits will they play a role tonight in the tournament match against buff bagwell you know mike this ain't no debut being a misfit it's basically meaning you're an outcast from society this is a lifestyle this is something that happens to you when you go against the grain kids picking you on you in school parents yelling at you just being different from everybody else this is a lifestyle 